What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 158 of the Stand Up Guys podcast. I am your host, the incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by, let's see, the ninth wonder, Chocolate Thunder, eating that stink eye and getting that pink eye, lover of the vag and the tarnished sheriff's badge. He's got two for the pink, one for the stink, tattooing the ladies with his Indian ink, the phenomenal AJ Singh. Hello, everyone. And not even any bad words in that one, so I think I think we're safe, safe. even from YouTube. <laughs> um, well, guys, this episode we will be reviewing episode three of Ahsoka, uh, but we'll save that for the back half of the show, just in case there's anyone who has not seen it yet and wants to catch up before we get into spoilers. Uh, but AJ, it's been a while since we just talked uh, in the interim. Have you uh, been watching anything or doing anything? Honestly, no. My nephew's birthday just, you know, you're. Oh, right. He just passed, so we were just doing preparations for that. Been going in and out of the house, getting like different monitors for his computer and stuff. He's got a new computer, and it's been a lot of getting cake and this and that. Oh, did you get him like a gaming computer? Yeah, yeah. It's an, an Alienware, it's like a subsidiary of Dell. Got him like one of the entry level computers, you know. He's only like 11 years old. So. Right. But, uh, it's. This should last him a little while. Yeah, that should have made him happy. Yeah, oh, definitely. He was excited. He was <laughs> ecstatic to have it, yeah. Although he mostly plays, like, Minecraft and Roblox, doesn't he? Yeah, it's pretty much the only two games he has on there right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, since we last, like, had a regular kind of show, um, I have watched a lot of things. Um, but I don't want to bury the lead. Now, AJ, longtime viewers of the show will remember that I'm fond of a little show um, a certain hit sitcom on CBS starring Ted Danson by the name of Becker. Oh, right, right. And I've talked about on the show how it saddens me that it's not really streaming anywhere. Well, that's kind of a lie. Supposedly, like, the first two seasons are streaming on, like, Pluto, which is one of those, like, you know, free streamers with commercials type things. Okay. But I'm like, no, sir, that's not good enough. But I didn't want to just, like, keep, like, you know, finding like low quality vids on on YouTube. Yeah. So sometimes AJ, sometimes you got to be the change you want to see. Sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And you got to buy <laughs> Becker, the complete set on DVD. How many seasons is that? This is a six season show. <laughs> All right. And I will say, I'm not I'm not even a big advocate of um, of physical media because like. Watching this, I'm like, God damn, it's a pain in the ass to always be changing discs yeah. and stuff. So, but I'm like, maybe, maybe if I show my love and you, the audience, show your love and buy Becker on DVD, you will convince the powers that be to finally give it the streaming it deserves. Bunch of Becker heads. <laughs> That's right. Becker heads unite again. Becker mania is running wild. But, like, my thing is, is like, well, I guess I am glad that, like, there are people that collect um, physical media still, just because, like, in case, like, somebody does, like, take something off streaming or censors it in a stupid way. Doing that, yeah. yeah, Disney does it a lot, like, stupid little censorship things, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, at least, like, um, the original's out there somewhere, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm glad for that sake that there's people that collect physical media, but to me, I'm like... It's a pain, but for Becker, I'll, I'll make the sacrifice. You and came through. I think so, but people think it's all a bit, especially my brother. But I, I genuinely do like enjoy it. I mean, the fact that you went out and bought the DVDs tells me it's real. <laughs> I would love to see like Becker the DVD set like on the top of the Amazon charts, just out of nowhere. <laughs> they didn't have it on Blu-ray. No, that's another crime. Let's get them to upgrade while we're at it. Yeah. Background Blu-ray. Got to get it in 4K. <laughs> yeah, I need all that Ted dancing. <laughs> uh, what else have I watched? Um, there are a sh- couple shows I'm, I'm watching week to week, which I shouldn't do. But uh, the new Futurama uh, started, so I've been watching that. Oh, okay. How was it? You know, it, it it's more Futurama. It's I, I think it's still quality. Okay. So if you like Futurama, I can't see you not liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, third season of Only Murders in the Building started up, so I've been watching that. Okay. Still enjoying that show. Have you watched that at all? No. Um, if, if if anybody out there is a murder mystery person, I, I recommend it. It's you know murder mystery, but with some humor, you know, mixed in. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, I took a chance on an Amazon show, uh, basically because it's that exact. Same thing is like a 
a uh, murder mystery with humor. Okay. It's called Deadlock. Yeah. So it takes place in uh, Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really liked it. And it's not a huge commitment. It's just a one like season show. I, th- I want to say it was like eight episodes, maybe ten. But like, um, I, I liked it. You know, other countries have a very different sense of humor, I feel like. Especially like the British and, and like Australians and... I actually don't know if this was actually filmed in Tasmania or if the people involved, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know their exact, but like just their sense of humor, like dry sense of humor, like it, it definitely made me laugh at times. Okay. And like the mystery was compelling as well. I, I, I actually uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I finished up season two of Strange New Worlds. Okay. Not as good as season one. Uh, um, th- I don't know. They just... Um, they had some gimmick episodes, like one of them they actually did like a musical episode, oh. which was an interesting experiment. I don't know if it fully landed for me, but it, uh, it, you know, it was interesting. But I don't know, I think they've kind of gotten away from like the sci-fi and are maybe focusing a, a little too much on like different like relationships and romance things, you know? Yeah, I hate when shows like that aren't musicals have that musical episode. <laughs> like, I don't know, I just... Don't stay in your own lane. <laughs> Do you remember? I don't know if you watched it because I think it was in a later season. But did you watch The Flash when they did their musical episode? I think so. Yeah. It was really weird because every time someone like broke into music, you could tell that it was like you know like like they were lip syncing to like a pre-recorded thing, and it yeah. it just always looked and sounded funny. <laughs> Anytime they broke into a song, I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. It, so again, it was like I give you props for trying it, but it, it didn't really land. No. Uh, another show I finished, uh, I finished season two of Yellow Jackets. Okay. This show, I, season two, like it wasn't bad, but I, I didn't get through it like nearly as fast. Like season one was compelling enough that I got through it, you know, pretty fast. And then season two, I think kind of drug its feet a lot. And I, it took me a little longer to get through it. it it's one of those things where they keep introducing like, oh, th- this weird thing happened, this weird thing happened. And, and I'm kind of like, I think you need to kind of start getting to where you're going a little bit you know it's kind of i i felt like it was uh, a little slow paced in my opinion and also like um um elijah wood is in the second season Mm -hmm. and i really feel like they wrote themselves into a corner in in some respect and like his character's action was kind of like a deus ex machina just to get him out of what they wrote before you know Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know for sure but it it seemed a little convenient i don't know (laughs) Um, and then I also watched a couple movies. So one of them, um, so I didn't have Netflix, um, but then like my, I'm pretty sure they won't admit to it, but my nephews at home were like on my PS3 at home. And I think somehow like I was logged into that and it allowed them to actually like resubscribe to my Netflix, you know? Okay. So I was like, oh, okay. So I had it for, and I didn't watch much, but there's this new action movie on there called Heart of Stone that has Gal Gadot. Oh, okay. I think I've heard of this. And, yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> it's, it, it almost, like, it's a spy thriller type of thing. Like, but, you know, I, I think they were almost kind of going for, like, a female James Bond type of thing. But it didn't work. It it was just, it's completely meh. It, yeah. It's just generic and, and, like, nothing really exciting about it, you know. I don't know how she's an A-list actress, man. Like. Her acting is so cardboard and so, like, like there's no acting there. It's just her reading a line. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I mean, looks go a long way, of yeah. course. And, and, like, I think with her look and accent, like, she worked perfectly for Wonder Woman. Yeah. But, like, even with, like, Wonder Woman 1 worked because... You know, the script overall was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then the 84 movie didn't work at all because the no. script was terrible. Right. Um, so I think if you put her, give her the the right material, she can pull it off. But I don't think she has like a huge range of acting yeah, right now. Right. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And he's in a lot of movies that I love. And I would I would say that his acting range is limited, but he picks projects that plays to his strengths. Yeah. And so it works. Yeah. So I think if she is careful just to, to do that, pick projects that work to her strengths, I, th- I think she can still do good work. And honestly, like an action movie should play to her strengths. And maybe if this movie was just, I don't know, 
better constructed, better written, mm-hmm. you know, maybe she would have been fine in it. Yeah. But I don't know. It just, to me, it's a forgettable, like you watch it and you forget it the next day kind of movie, you know? Gotcha. Uh, and then I also watched on Paramount Plus uh, Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm. Are you familiar with the Fletch movies at all? I know that uh, Chevy Chase used to be Fletch. Yeah, and so those movies, I know I know I saw those movies when I was like really, really young. I don't remember anything about yeah, them. No. Um, but yeah, basically he's like this um, journalist. And but he's like a you know very witty, very fast talking, and 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 he he gets uh, caught up in this situation where he's accused of murder, and he gets you know roped up in this thing, and uh, you know it's a fun little movie, a lot of a lot of witty banter. Um, I don't know if it's like a must watch, but if you got a couple hours to kill, I I can I can safely recommend it. Okay. Certainly, I would recommend it over Heart of Stone. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun. And if they made another one, I'd probably check it out eventually. Nothing I would go to the theater for. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it was it was fun enough. Um, and then uh, I also, gaming-wise, I uh, finally got around to playing The Last of Us Part Two, okay. <laughs> which is a couple years old now. Um, I uh, I did like it. It's It's a good game. Um, my only criticisms are number one, just like so many games, it's too long. Yeah. Especially for like a survival horror game. Like, do you really want to play something tense for like that many That's hours? True. You know, yeah. you kind of want to, you know, I don't think you want to extend a game like that too long. And also, like, like there's a part in that game where you expect them to roll credits. You're like, okay, yeah, this seems like the end, and it's not. It just yeah. keeps going, and it. And you're like, oh, yeah, you, you needed to cut this sooner, mm-hmm. for sure. And then my only other criticism, I don't know if you've played any other Naughty Dog games, like the Uncharted games or anything, but they always have, in parts, kind of crazy difficult difficulty spikes mm-hmm. that are kind of an annoying. Like, to me, I always play on normal difficulty. And like I, so I want, like, I don't mind a challenge, but I want it to be kind of, like, consistent, yeah. you know? And, like, all Naughty Dog games have parts where you just, like, die, like, you know, 15 times or something and mm-hmm. then, like, you know, barely make it through. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, it, it just seems to me like uh, they need to work on making their difficulty seem more consistent. Right. Because it's like there's certain parts of the game where you're like, okay, th- this this is not by any other game standard like a normal difficulty right right, right now, yeah. and you're like, okay, I'll die a bunch of times and figure this out, but it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, have you played any games recently? No, man. The nephews have the TV at all times. Oh yeah, yeah. You're in a situation where it's kind of rough. I played a little bit of God of War. Like there was like a free download for PlayStation like uh, a few months ago. Oh okay. Uh, I played a little bit of that, but the nephews played it, and that was pretty much it. That after that. <laughs> Is that like the the 2018 version of yeah, God of War? Yeah. It's a good game. Mm-hmm. I do want to play Ragnarok. I, I haven't bought it yet, but probably next time it goes on sale, I'll buckle down and get it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's a good game. Um, all right. Uh, well, it's been AJ, it's been a while since we did a, a story or two. Should I, should I see if I got anything in that sure, respect? Sure, yeah. Okay, I got one here that um, I thought was, uh, where is it? This woman um, called into a radio station. Okay, a woman's story of using her uh, mom's, this is of course like a British uh, story, of mom's adult toy gets much worse as she makes a new discovery. Um, you'd be forgiven for thinking that in a story about a woman using her mom's sex toy, that, uh, that'd be the worst part of the tale to tell. But it gets so much worse. Um, so I, I guess I'll just paraphrase. Basically, this woman, um, she was like house sitting for her parents, um, while they're on holiday, and like she, I think she tries to like cushion the blow of what happened by saying, "Oh, I was, you know, had a couple glasses of wine. I was a little tipsy or whatever." Yeah. But um, she was looking under um her her parents' bed for somewhere to plug in her phone charger, and uh, she caught this like she saw this shoe box. And so she's like, decides to go through it. And she finds that her mom's just like massive dildo. Yeah. And of course, instead of like doing what a normal person would do and just like putting it back, she's right. like, I'm going to wash this off and use it. Oh, no. Um, so she uses it and it gets the job done. But then after she uses it, she happens to see this tag on it. 
And what she figures out is this is not just any ordinary dildo. It's one of those uh, things where, like, you can work with a company and actually get, like, a cast of a real penis. And she figures out that her mom got a cast of her dad's penis. And that is what she used. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hilarious. I mean... The fact that she would call into a radio station and admit this, I mean, she pretty bold. Yeah. That's pretty bold. Um, but I don't know. I think she, like I said, I think she tried to cover herself by saying she had a couple glasses of wine. But how many women would do this? I mean, she made that choice. Like once she opened up the box and saw what was in there, she had a choice between letting it go and, and <laughs> doubling down and going through with this. <laughs> And she didn't know that it was her dad's penis as a cast made of it. But uh, at that point, she she had reached the point of no return. She made a decision. <laughs> um, That's rough. Okay, I have another one. So um, I guess in Florida, there's a lot of manatees. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess through the past couple years, there's been like, actually like... Um, they're becoming like kind of endangered, like the number of manatees, like or, or numbers are going down. Yeah. And so like, there's a time of year, I guess, or whatever, where they basically have these big, like manatee orgies yeah. where like they're breeding. Uh, and so I, uh, there was one article I saw where it said like people were calling the cops and the cops were basically like, just leave the manatees alone. Let them, <laughs> let them get all, their business done. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, this story also sprang out of this. Uh, beloved, beloved Florida manatee dies after high-intensity incestuous gay sex. Wow. <laughs> um, it says, Florida man never fails to disappoint us. This time, it's uh, Florida manatee. Uh, and it's one of the most famous ones. Hugh the manatee, 38 was a visitor favorite at Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium in Sarasota. He was known, among other things, for predicting the winner of the Super Bowl. Sadly, on April 29th, Hugh passed away. He didn't exactly go out in a blaze of glory, though, or in any PG-13 manner. Shortly before his death, Hugh engaged in high-intensity sexual behavior, uh, the aquarium said to ABC7. Yet he didn't hump the living daylights out of another lady manatee. Instead, he was on the receiving end receiving end for another male manatee and that male also happened to be his brother buffett oh wow (laughs) a a necropsy that is animal autopsy later confirmed that he had died from a ruptured colon along other uh, alongside other internal (laughs) injuries Uh, oh the humanity um did they really need to do like an autopsy on this guy to figure like uh, i guess science sure there are witnesses uh, the details about Hugh's death were initially quiet, or qu- uh, initially quite so explicit. At first, they simply let the public know that Hugh had passed away unexpectedly on April 29th. After Hugh showed a change in his behavior, earlier in the day, animal care staff began closely monitoring him. Saturday late afternoon, Hugh suddenly became unresponsive in his habitat. Uh, Moat Aquarium said in the April 30th statement. Don't get us wrong. The aquarium knew exactly what Hugh had been up to with his brother. They just had to confirm whether he died from playing the catch or do his pitcher. To that end, the aquarium said that a necropsy would uh, determine Hugh's exact cause of death. <laughs> whether he was the catcher <laughs> or the pitcher? I think we already know now. Well, yeah, I think they already knew that yeah. part. I don't know. They just were like, was this natural causes or did this actually <laughs> kill him? Uh, however, the proper test would take at least eight weeks. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you could do it sooner than that. Oh, look at his ruptured bubble. Yeah. Uh, well, those weeks passed and the aquarium got their results. That prompted uh, a, a new statement. Quote, given the recent media coverage of the events surrounding the passing of our beloved and recently deceased resident manatee, Hugh, it is important that we share an overview of the facts to ensure complete clarity of the cause of Hugh's death. Uh, Moat Aquarium wrote on Facebook, those facts are decidedly more explicit. Just a heads up, if you don't want to know about traumatic male-on-male manatee sex, uh, this is your chance to get off uh, all the ride. Now, the thing about male manatees is they get randy during mating season, whether in the wild or captivity, for two months every year. They undergo seasonal behavior change, behavioral changes, including but not limited to an in- increase in sexual behavior. And that was the time of year for Hugh and Buffett. On that day of Hugh's passing, Hugh and Buffett engaged in natural yet increased mating behavior, the aquarium said. 
Due to the the marine mammal's horniness, the aquarium put them under increased observation. That put them in the front row seat for what uh, USDA uh, APHIS report described as high-intensity sexual behavior between two adult male manatees. According to the USDA, Buffett rectally penetrated Hugh at around 10 a.m., Man, they really did their details on, on yeah. this, like it's an actual like murder case. Shortly afterward, the aquarium staff collected a fecal sample that contained fresh blood. Ugh. Uh, yet, according to the aquarium, Hugh didn't show any obvious signs of discomfort or distress, and activity continued to interact with Buffett. As a result, the two engaged in multiple penetrations throughout the day, with the last one occurring around 5.15 p.m. After that session, Buffett swam away, but Hugh sank to the bottom of the pool unresponsive. Uh, by the time aquarium staff got to him, he was dead. Um, man, I'm going to skip. This is a long article, but yeah. This is brutal, man. <laughs> Basically, long story short, is they did way too many tests on this. Yeah. <laughs> they could have wrapped this case up much sooner <laughs> without the gory details. We don't need all this info. <laughs> The penetration was brutal. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if, like, humans were the same to where, like, they they just get horny, like, two months out of the year, but, like, super horny? <laughs> There'd be so many crimes. <laughs> 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 There'd be, like, times when people just couldn't leave the house because there were, like, horny men outside. <laughs> that's probably pretty true. I mean, that's probably true already, actually, yeah. if you're a woman. It wouldn't even be just women, though. Men would be getting raped, too, if people got that horny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in Japan, like, they've had this for a while now where, like, it was such a problem with, like, women getting groped on public transportation mm. that they have, a, like, a train that's only for women. Uh, so that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know, like, their camera has to make noise because there were too many people taking pictures of, like, oh, right. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy, too. Man. Man, we got some time left. I was just, like, trying to find a... a, a story okay okay this one i haven't read and it's a little long so i don't know if i'll go through the whole thing but i found the headline interesting uh spider whose bite can cause fatal erections causes supermarket evacuation in australia um small things can lead to big consequences we we got a great (laughs) example of that last week when an austrian uh supermarket Oh, I guess it's Austria, not Australia. Austrian supermarket issued a swift emergency evacuation order. What could have caused the shop to take such drastic measures? An armed intruder? A bomb threat? Nope. It was because of a spider. This wasn't just any ordinary eight-legged creepy crawly, though. Uh, if it was, the problem would have probably been solved with a quick stomp. Uh, the initially mysterious large arachnid was identified as a Brazilian wandering spider one of the world's deadliest spiders. Its highly venomous bite causes a fascinating list of symptoms, including hours-long erections. Not wanting to subject a clientele or staff to fatal boners, the store quickly offered uh, everyone to evacuate. The store then stayed closed for the next two days. How do you for- offer everyone to evacuate? <laughs> hey, we got a special offer for you. Get the hell out. <laughs> yeah, if you want, you can leave and not be bitten by this horrible uh, spider. But, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> the store then uh, stayed closed for the next two days for a comprehensive swipe to despiderize the interior. Uh, the only thing about spiders is it's almost better to kill them right away while you can still yeah. see them. I mean, I get that they wouldn't want uh, probably get too close to this one, but I don't know. It seems like you'd want to try to keep them in sight and kill them while you can see them. As a grocery store connoisseur, I would not want to go to that one right. <laughs> after they try to fumigate or whatever for the spider. You know, that's one th- kind of freaky thing is if you work like in a store where you're unloading boxes that maybe came from other countries, you might open a box and get a spider like that. Yeah. You know? The... the Exhibit A of the the New World's uh, conquest, basically. It's going to take over the environment, get rid of all the inv- the current species. I think we have that with ladybugs. Like, uh, in the U.S., uh, all of our ladybugs are being replaced by, like, this, uh, I think, Asian uh, beetle, which looks almost the exact same but has more spots on it and does a lot of the same stuff. But uh, there is, like, a downside because it does it can bite you and oh. it does have other negative consequences also. But it's p- basically taken right over. Because yeah, I remember as a kid, like, playing with ladybugs and, like, they don't really do anything to you, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
But that yeah, it's weird. So they're like taking look almost the same, but are like kill, are they like killing ladybugs then and like taking? They, over? Yeah, I think they have like some sort of a bacteria or something that like is not good for ladybugs. Oh, I see. That replaces it causes them to replace them. Man, I remember I I don't know if it was a foreign spider or not, but my first job I worked in this depart department store, mm-hmm. and I was. In the back, and I noticed this like huge spider, so I stomped on it, and it was pregnant, and just like this swarm Ooh. of baby spiders comes out. So I'm just like vigorously like stomping, trying to kill them. Crazy all, but... thing is that's happened to me. Oh yeah, I was like outside of a house uh, by the by where the water fountain like water thing is, and like uh, I saw a spider there. I stepped on it, and like. Just... It looked like thousands. Yeah, it's so disgusting. And they're so like microscopically right. small. You just just see like waves of them moving around. It's so horrible. It was, uh, it's so horrifying to see. Yeah. That was nasty. Yeah. Um so the store has now reopened and the management assures everyone that there's no risk of running into any Brazilian wanderers. Yet the operating company has admitted that they didn't actually find the spider. Oh, that's reassuring. Yeah. Uh maybe it's still there watching and waiting. Ready to give an unsuspecting passerby an erection he'll never forget. Uh, the spider incident happened on August 8th in Kremsandornau, a historical town sitting in the Danube River in northern Austria. On the day, the staff of a penny market branch were unpacking a new shipment, which included a box of bananas. That's how it happens, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can only imagine a staff member went a bit bananas when, uh, when they cut open the box. In addition to potassium-rich fruit, the crate contained a stowaway. On top of the bananas crawled a four-inch-long black and red spider. Now, it's nothing unusual for bugs of all kinds to end up in uh, tropical uh, fruit shipments and find their way halfway across the world. The problem is that some of them can be dangerous. Um, Was this spider a problem? Nobody at the store knew, so they called the fire department. Um, I actually want to maybe skip and just see if I can find the actual, like... uh, what happens when you get bit by one? Because like it, it is a pretty insane um, thing. Because I think it does. I mean, I think it uh, can eventually kill you. Um, okay, but why does this one spider cause such a massive operation? Well, that's because Brazilian wandering spiders are dangerous. These arachnids often like to hang on a banana branch looking for tasty prey like crickets, mantids, frogs, lizards, and bats. As a result, they can end up in banana boxes. A Brazilian wandering spider's bite is no joke. Its venom contains at least six different neurotoxins that make it one of the deadliest spiders in the world. The bite, which is incredibly painful in itself, causes nearly instantaneous symptoms. The list includes, but isn't limited to, Sky-high heart rate and blood pressure, dizzy, dizziness, nausea, hypothermia, drooling, vomiting, and blurred vision. If you happen to possess a penis, the bite also causes an instant erection that can last for hours. In case that sounds like a, a good time to you, be aware that your disco stick will feel like you're having intercourse with the business end of a rusty blender the entire time. Mm. Should you go... <laughs> I mean, that's a small price to pay, really. Darn. <laughs> Should it go untreated, the venom can begin to paralyze your muscles, including those responsible for breathing. As you lay on the floor slowly asphyxiating, you can ponder whether it was a good idea to try and cure erectile dysfunction by handling exotic arachnids. You know, the fact that this happens, though, you got to imagine some company has tested, like, the venom and like be like, can we just isolate what causes the boners and like get rid of all the bad For stuff? For sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they did that, then they'd be breeding these spiders everywhere and be like taking their venom. <laughs> How do you know we're not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could be. Who knows? These spiders are practically instinct, extinct at this point. We're just, <laughs> just getting all the boner juice out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just last night, um, Rewatched uh, Avatar two. Okay, and like, I guess this is like a a, a slight spoiler, but there's this whole um, subplot near the end of the movie where like the bad guys they they kind of hunt down these like you know huge intelligent whales and kill them, mm-hmm. but they do it just because there's like in their brain there's this gel that apparently stops human aging, and they. 
they like they get this small like tube of it and he's like this is worth 80 million bucks or whatever but i was just thinking if it was the same thing but it was like oh this causes like really good boners th- it would be the same thing <laughs> yeah. they would still kill those whales for just, sure no just doubt. For the boner juice. it might cost more too <laughs> <laughs> this is worth 80 billion <laughs> how many boners i have in this bottle <laughs> <laughs> so many boners <laughs> All right, AJ, I think it's that time. Do you want to get into uh, Ahsoka and review episode three? Yes, do. All right, guys. Uh, full spoilers. Uh, we're going to go in-depth on this bad boy. I will say just off the bat, um, I still am enjoying this yeah. uh, series. Probably still in the kind of that seven to ten range. I'm, yeah. I'm liking it. Um, so episode three is entitled Time to Fly. Uh, we open with Hu Yang training Sabine and some basic lightsaber fighting techniques. Um, Ahsoka suggests Hu Yang teach her the Zatochi uh, technique, uh, but he says she's not ready for that technique. Do you think that's ever something they'll call back in this show, or if it was just complete throwaway? <laughs> she'll she'll be ready for it at some point. Though she'll need it at the end. Use <laughs> the Zatochi technique. <laughs> I'm not ready. You can do it. <laughs> oh, Zatochi, you saved the day. <laughs> Good old Zatochi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ahsoka says that Sabine's fighting, fighting skills won't be enough and that she needs to open her mind to the Force, which takes a deeper commitment. Uh, so Ahsoka has Sabine cover her eyes with a visor and has her kind of try to sense her position and intent as she moves around her and, like, you know, hits her with a stick and whatnot. Yeah. The whole, like, uh, you know, that seems to be a whole thing in Star Wars with, like, the visor. Because, like, even Luke had to put the visor on and, like, deflect like little laser beams with the saber and all that Mm. um so now we get a scene with Hera where she has a meeting with Mon Mothma and the other senators of the New Republic and uh tells her about what happened on Corellia in the last episode with all the imperial sympathizers that work for Morgan Elsbeth uh one of the senators says the group that group were outliers and that there are many former Imperials in the New Republic government who have taken an oath of loyalty. Uh, and I think Hera rightfully points out that, you know, um, that really means nothing and that she's very dubious of, like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. That's basically like a, a Nazi taking an oath that, oh, I promise to be good. You yeah, know? exactly. So it's like, yeah, of course the people should be more dubious of, you know, former Imperials. Yeah. It definitely seems like the Senate's got its own, like, dubious nature to it also you think that i think somebody I mean, they, on there is like disloyal for sure yeah that wouldn't surprise me i mean they they don't mention if like any of them are former imperials although wouldn't that be kind of like even if you're like okay we're, we're gonna assume like you know some some of those people you know were just nazis following orders maybe they're not like totally bad people but they kind of got you know roped into doing things they shouldn't or whatever mm. And, like, we're, we're going to be somewhat accepting of them and give them a second chance as long as they take an oath or whatever. Like, w- it seems like even, like, a government like that would still be maybe dubious of, like, putting them in really high-ranking government yeah. positions, you know? Yeah. But um, Hera tells Mon Mothma about Thrawn and how she'd like to put a party together to invest- investigate the Denob system. Uh, but then one of the other senators, I forget his name, accuses her of trying to waste resources in order to try to find Ezra. So he's like, this is personal. You're, you're trying to find Ezra. But, you know, my thing is she has this intelligence. Like, w- would it really harm them to be like, okay, you can take, like, it, a very small, like, group of men out or, yeah. or something? You know, um, just rather than ignore it completely. Uh, so most of the senators ag- agree with that guy and yeah. don't... Uh, and I- don't I got to say, like, it didn't make any sense to me, like you just said, like, to not even try to suss out, like, what could be happening. Like, just just check it out. Yeah, they got actionable intelligence. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to commit, like, uh, an insane amount of resources to it. Right, yeah. But it's enough that you should send at least a small squadron. Like, you're, you're looking at potential... Like the leader of the other faction coming back, like exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the other senators um, agree with that one guy and don't think they need to worry about the empire coming back uh, because they have no centralized command. Uh, but Hera points out Thrawn would change that. Um, he he would be a centralized command and and get others to follow him. 
Uh, Mon Mothma says she will discuss the matter with the other senators in private, but you get the sense that that meeting did not go well and, and, you know, probably will not lead to them helping. Uh, We we are introduced to Hera's son, Jason, uh, who says he wants to be a Jedi. Um, AJ, I know you didn't watch uh, Rebels, but uh, another major character in Rebels is this guy named Kanan Jarrus, who is a Jedi. And he he was uh, him and Harrow were a couple, so oh, okay. he's the the son of them. Mm. Now I'm not completely sure because um, I've never read any of the like because um, um, you know how like when um, Disney bought Star Wars, a lot of the stuff in their like expanded universe um, kind of like isn't official canon anymore, mm-hmm. and like. They, they, they kind of pick and choose, like, certain things from that. Like, Thrawn yeah. was a part of that. But other stuff they choose to ignore. Now, I believe uh, Han Solo and Leia in that canon had, like, twins. Okay. And I, I think their names were, like, Jason and something. I might be wrong about that. I might be totally wrong. I'm not, like, super in-depth with, with Star Wars. But they, of course, didn't end up going that route because... In like the newer trilogy, they just had the one kid, which was Kylo Ren. You know. Okay. Um, so Ahsoka tells Sabine uh, that she did a good job today in her training, uh, but S- Sabine is still dismayed that she can't use the Force. Um, Ahsoka says the Force is in everyone, and then I and although and I will quote, talent is a factor. Um, it, it really takes patience and discipline to master it. And I wrote that because really, like we discussed last time, like the whole, like, we know whether people like it or not, the whole midi, midi-chlorian thing yeah. exists. So, like, she says talent, but does it really mean t- talent or does it mean, like, something biological that she would have no control over? Yeah, I'd like to see them reconcile the midi-chlor- midi-chlorian thing right. with the uh, with what she's saying. Like, with, like, anybody can pause. Yeah. Can the sen- like yeah. Maybe there's a certain level of metachlorians in like anybody, but then like having more will make you even more talented, I guess. I don't know. I guess, yeah, you could say something like that. Yeah, yeah that would work. Um, Ahsoka then moves a uh, like small coffee cup uh, and tells Sabine uh, to, uh, to start small and see if she can do that. Um, Ahsoka has a meeting with Hu Yang. Uh, he asks how the training is going. Uh, Ahsoka says that Sabine is struggling, uh, but that Hu Yang shouldn't have told her what he did before. Where, he, you know, he basically mentioned that like um, she's the, like the least force sensitive yeah. like person he's ever seen try to like become a Jedi or right. take the training. Um, Hu Yang says it's true, and that the Jedi Academy would have never accepted her. And he also mentions that very few Mandalorians have ever become become Jedi. Um, Ahsoka says she doesn't need her to be a Jedi. She just needs her to be herself. Um, Sabine tries and fails to move the cup until she is interrupted by Ahsoka, who has Hera on the line. Um, I guess on the... I don't know if you'd say the phone. I don't know what they say in Star Wars. The holographic line. Uh, So Hera tells them about how she can't join them because the Senate didn't approve the mission. I can't come, guys. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, she is cut off... um, now, do you think Hera will um, do the thing where, like, she sneaks out and helps anyway? Yeah, she'll do something like that. I'm guessing something like yeah. that happens. Um, uh, but then their communication is cut off when they enter the Denob system. <clears throat> uh, apparently all communications are getting jammed. Um, Hu Yang's scan shows a ship on the other side of the planet. I imagine... Um, from the episode before, this planet is that Cetos planet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and he says as well is that there's something large and unknown on the other side of the planet. So they kind of start flying towards that, but then suddenly six fighters uh, jets led by Shin Hati and Merrick uh, come out of nowhere and, and attack them. Uh, so Sabine gets in the tail gun. And I wrote, Sabine misses a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually takes out three of them. I remember, like, she just kept, like, missing and missing. And then I think eventually she, like, told Ahsoka to do, like, some sort of, like, aerial move that yeah. got her in line. Um, I was like, you got to be purposely trying to miss at that point. Like, you're I mean, really good at missing. <laughs> I mean, if her strength isn't, like, the Jedi stuff, it should at least be that kind yeah, of stuff, right? Yeah, she's supposed to be like, a te- technical person. <laughs> 
Um, so Ahsoka and Hu Yang get a glimpse of this Eye of Scion that they're building. Um, as they approach the ring, Morgan tells Shin to stay clear and that she'll deal with them. And you definitely get the sense that there's tension between Morgan and Shin. Yeah. Like they don't get along. Um, so uh, Morgan tells her droids to prepare the turbo lasers. And a part of me is like, couldn't they come up with a cooler name than turbo lasers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turbo lasers. That seems a bit basic. Sounds I don't like know. something like they'd be selling in a commercial. Turbo lasers. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, in the uh, 80s or 90s. You would see like a toy, yeah. kids' toys. Buy, buy the laser tra- or turbo lasers. Uh, anyway, Ahsoka tries to dodge the lasers while Hu Yang completes a scan of the ring. Um, as soon as Hu Yang's scan is complete, they get hit, and Hu Yang is powered down, as well as the ship. Um, so Sabine hurries to get the ship back in order, and Shin tells Morgan, uh, again, they don't get along. She's like, I'll, I'll finish them off since you can't, or whatever. And I think basically, like, it's weird because I think they're, like, so close now to the inner, like, inside of the ring that, like, Maybe Morgan can't get her turbo lasers like aimed at him properly. Yeah. I don't know exactly, but Shin's like, I'll take care of it. Um, so this, I don't know if this was a great idea, but Ahsoka goes outside. Uh, while um, while Sabine tries to get the ship running, Ahsoka goes outside in a uh, space suit, um, with her uh, lightsaber and basically tries to deflect the yeah. the shots. Now, one thing I thought it was funny that um. You know, she has a spacesuit that um, fits her, like, head tentacles, which I guess you would need, but it just is kind of funny. Yeah. And I'm like, how hard would it be to get that thing on? <laughs> like, she gets it on fast. But I'm like, it seems like getting, like, her tendrils to the line up and yeah. get that thing in there would be tricky to me. I just thought the whole idea of going out there to deflect was, uh, I mean, look, it was all you had to, it was the only idea she had. She couldn't do anything else, but from the bad guys, I would aim at the ship that she's standing on rather than her. That's just what I was thinking. I was like, if I was the bad guys, because they do that. They aim mostly at her, and she deflects me away. I'm like, okay, she's on that side of the ship. Oh, I'll just blow up the other side yeah, of the ship. You know? It's so easy. She's dead meat. <laughs> so the bad guys definitely aren't aren't the smartest here. No. Um, she does. And also, like, they fly close enough that she she's able to, like, cut one in half with her lightsaber. I'm yeah. like, Dude, my dude, that's a bad idea, too. Like, you're shooting. Like, stay your distance. It's a distance weapon. Um, so, Sabine gets the ship running again and gets Ahsoka back on board. Um, she, like, turns the ship perfectly and gets her, like, in the... <laughs> yeah. there. Um, so, the, now the chase is on. And uh, they end up um, getting chased around, like, these large space whales called Purgles. Now, AJ, do you remember um, last episode when we were talking? I, I, I talked about that last episode of Rebels and how Thrawn and Ezra were taken away by the big, like, um, space whales that can um, actually go, like, in hyperspace speed. Yeah. So these are those creatures. Um, so, yeah, they're flying around these guys, and there's also a bunch of fog. Uh, so eventually Sabine is able to lose them. Um, Hu Yang briefly wakes back up. Uh, as they land on the planet, which is Setos, they power down, uh, and Hu Yang, or they power down Hu Yang because they want to hide from the bad guys. So they're like, even though he just woke up, she's like, oh, I got to power you down so you, they can't scan you. And they power down the ship in the forest to hide um, from Shin and Merrick, who fly overhead. Um, Sabine says she hasn't seen the space whale since that day Ezra disappeared. They turn Hu Yang back on, and he says the hyperspace ring is still being constructed. So, like, they still have a chance to stop it. But the last drive is being put into place. Uh, Hu Yang says the ring would be capable of jumping uh, completely to another galaxy. And that the Jedi uh, have, like, writings or something uh, where they used to be able to do this by using lanes shared by the Purgle. Now, I have a question... Which is like, you know, evolution, you know, usually creatures like evolve out of like, you know, need or necessity. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what necessitized these purgles to evolve to the point where they need to travel at the, you know, faster than the speed of light and have the ability to go to entirely different galaxies. Yeah. And usually <laughs> evolution happens like step by step. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
Which, I mean, uh, you know, time is infinite, I guess. And this did happen in a galaxy far, far away a long, long, long time ago and whatever. But <laughs> still, yeah, I mean, even over eons, like, part of me is like, why Why would they have needed to develop this ability? I don't understand either. <laughs> How does nature lead to that? I think more than anything, someone was like, you know what looks cool? Space whales. Yeah. And they're like, we'll figure out a way. Everybody's got their version. Marvel's got their version of space whales, too, kind of. Like with the with the Chitari. Oh, yeah, Chitari. You're, you're right. Yeah, the Chitari ride those yeah. that are basically space whales. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's become a thing now. <laughs> space whales. I wonder if... I wonder if DC has a version of Space Whales. <laughs> they probably do, to yeah, be honest. Probably. Um, I mean, I guess with the... Because we, like, mentioned last time, like, they can already travel, like, you know, in hyperspeed. Like, why would they need a, a ring that puts all these together? I, I guess, like, I guess if you're saying they just need to travel, like, you know, such a long more of a distance, like, to a whole yeah. different galaxy, so maybe they need that extra yeah, speed. Yeah, so they don't have intergalactic space travel. They just have, like, within, like, the galaxy. I mean, I, I'm presuming they could travel outside their own galaxy. It would just, even traveling at whatever speeds they can on one hyperdrive, it would take, like, so long or okay. something. But with this thing, they can just, like, you know... The only thing is, is if, like, you use this thing to travel to a whole nother galaxy like you better hope it doesn't break down because you're for sure going to be stranded for sure yeah also how come the bad guys are always so cutting edge with technology like they're like okay we found this okay we just need five hyperdrives and we'll get this going to wherever we need to go (laughs) like how come there's no like 20 years of r&d going into that (laughs) that is kind of true because like i guess the empire had their top scientists or something but like it's true. It it does seem like this isn't this is something they would have had to come up with on their own. Yeah. And it's like you're right. There, I mean, there are a lot of questions that I'm wondering if this show will like um, answer in a satisfying way because it's like you figure Ezra and Thrawn. Okay, they were taken t- by the Purgles to this very distant galaxy. Yeah. And it's like somehow a map to Thrawn was created and, like I said, placed in that temple where Ahsoka got it. I mean, it almost seems like Ezra would have had to be able to tap into that thing where he can somehow go to a temple and travel, like, an insane distance and set this all up. I don't know. Mm. Also, like, I don't know how many episodes this season is, but do you think we're only going to find Thrawn and Ezra at the very end of the series, or do you think we find a midway... And see what happened. I think at the very end. You think Gil stretched it out to the very end? Yeah. I do think if they do that, like, it's likely then they'll do another season of this show. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, with some of these Star Wars shows, I don't know if the idea is to make all of them multiple series or if some of them are just going to be more like mini-series. Because I think they already announced, like, initially the plan for Andor was just to do a two-season thing. And so I'm not... And it's, like... With the Marvel shows, too, it seems like some of those are one-and-dones, and some of them are more than one, like Loki. Yeah. You know, so. But, uh, um, okay. So, yeah, the Purgle are a bit of a mystery to me. But um, then it ends with uh, Balin telling his men, basically, to hunt down Ahsoka and Sabine in the forest. Um, so, yeah, that was episode three. Um, anything else you can think of uh, that you found interesting in that episode? Uh or where you think things might go next episode? I'm, I'm, I've seen other... What do you, so what do you think about this theory? Like I've heard other shows like talk about how like they think... Uh, what's her name? Uh, the Her little apprentice? Oh, uh, Merrick? The, the masked one or, or Shin? The the good one, the good apprentice, who's working at first Oka. What's her name? Oh, Sabine. Sabine, yeah. Some people are saying that she's going to turn evil, go to the dark side. You know, I, I feel like anytime like there's a Star Wars property, somebody's like, "Oh, either this good person will turn to the dark side, or this bad person will be redeemed in yeah. some way." You know, um, I don't think that. Okay. I, I, I mean, it's not like they couldn't, but I think there's just as good a chance of that bad person being redeemed. <laughs> I, I feel like with a like, uh, you know, uh, especially with rebels and pe- people, especially kids, had four seasons of a show to really like fall in love with those characters and they're like invested in Sabine 
like I don't I don't really feel like they're gonna turn her to the dark yeah. side, and I don't get that vibe at all, anyways. Yeah. Yet, at least, um, I the thing I think would be more likely is for either, um, what's his name, Balin or Shin to take more of like a redeem thing where yeah. we find out they're a little bit better. I the only other theories I've heard is because that Merrick person has a mask. They're like, you know, oh, could that be Ezra or could that be um, another? You know, person in the Star Wars universe. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know if that would be a good reveal. Like he's supposed to be the big good guy, you know, the hero, and now you're gonna turn him into like a little scrub, a villain. Well, I think if people who theorize that would be more like, oh, you know, he's pretending to be bad, but uh, all actually working for the good guys. But for some reason. I mean, I don't know. It, I think things would maybe get too convoluted if yeah. that turns out to be the case. Yeah. But my thing with, like, certain reveals is, like, if they're, like, oh, it was somebody from the one of the cartoons, season two, episode eight, I'm going to be, like, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so if they go, if, if that is, like, and it might just be, like, an un- underling and it doesn't even matter who's under the mask, mm-hmm. but if they do a... a um, depending on what the reveal is, if I'll, I'll probably be like, oh, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't really know that person, though. I can't, can't remember. You know, right, right. that is one thing. If your universe is too expensive with too many characters, sometimes a reveal like that will be like, oh, one percent of the people understood that. <laughs> yeah. The rest of us, you got to kind of explain it. Uh, but I'm just, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of like you were. Like, I, I want to see Thrawn already, because they're, like, building him up. But I, I do kind of think they're going to space this thing out, and we don't, won't really get to him yeah, I don't think so. or Ezra until, like, pretty late in the run. Yeah. Maybe either second to last or last episode. Um, but um, there, there's some, like, like corny stuff in these episodes, like, that is just Star Wars-ish, you know, that you just have to put up with. Like, you know, when they're sitting in a space station, or, like, a space... Uh, craft or whatever it just seems like such a tin can you know like it just seems so like green screen like they're just sitting there in a green screen environment you just know it's fake but it's like you know star wars you just have to accept it. oh i didn't push up too much against that but um you feel those scenes maybe looked like too obvious like sets or something yeah 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 it's i will say like um it, I, I mean i assume they do use you know green screen and stuff but like at least none of it's as obvious as that was one problem with the prequels Mm -hmm. is like i think the green screen technology uh or whatever they used was much newer then okay and so like if you watch those movies you can especially tell like everything looks fake right right and so it doesn't help those movies i I feel like these later ones like use like a mix of practical and green screen and and look a little bit better in that respect yeah i mean have practical movies always been more expensive than green screen? Um, well, I think I don't. I think green screen backgrounds and stuff by itself is uh, does save money. Mm-hmm. But now, where they're actually doing a lot of like really intricate um, computer generated, um, you know, effects with effects houses and stuff, I think some of those probably are getting to the point where. They're more expensive than than a lot of practical things, yeah. you know. Okay. And so it, I do wonder about that kind of stuff. I mean, some of these superhero movies we watch too. I'm like, if they use too many effects, sometimes it does get to the point where you feel like you're just watching a cartoon, yeah. even though you're watching, you know, a live action thing. To the point where I'm like, maybe they could mix in more practical. Like they're always going to have a mix of both, I think. Mm-hmm. But I remember we had that complaint when we watched uh, Quantumania, where it's like, nothing here feels real. Yeah. Like, it all all feels fake and green screened. And it takes you out of the movie so much. Yeah, that movie especially, like... And, and then I've seen others that uh, I'm like, well, I know, like, they are using... Have to be using some of that stuff here, but it, it feels like there's at least enough of a mix where... It doesn't feel weird, yeah. and it feels like there's still something a little bit you can hold on to. Right. Whereas, yeah, I remember watching Quantum Mania, and especially all those scenes that actually take place on the quantum realm. Yeah. And you're just like, boy, this all just feels fake. It none of it. Done up from down. Yeah. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, overall, uh, still enjoying Ahsoka. Looking forward to the next episode. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I really have any predictions for the next episode. It's hard to. Re- yeah, I don't know where it's going right now. I just I expect a, a showdown between Ahsoka and uh, Balon because she's headed towards him, right? Yeah, it seems like they're they're trying to track them down. Mm-hmm. I do feel like we will get a scene where Hera tries to help in some way, whether that's her going by herself or her, you know, taking a few people that are loyal to her. Yeah. Um, Maybe she gets caught in some crossfire or something. I do. To me, the thing I think I'm most interested in is just how... I I, I think maybe Ezra and Thrawn actually had to work together to get that map to him. (laughs) Because you got to... Because it seems to me like they're basically stranded on an island and they know they have to to survive, get off eventually, maybe. I don't know. It sounds to me like Ezra was willing to make the sacrifice just so Thrawn doesn't survive. So, I mean, instead of helping him survive... I would think he'd rather just be like, no, let's just die here, sacrifice himself. One thing I notice about Star Wars is, like, main characters very seldomly die. Okay. It just seems that way. Or, like, you know, so it's like, I don't know if we'll get any, like, major deaths in this series. I feel like those uh, those Stormtrooper guns could be a lot more effective if they could just hold the button Instead of having to push it and like it fires a new oh, laser, yeah. they just hold that button and move the gun. Like they'd, a machine gun yeah, thing? Yeah. They'd be solid. They'd be unstoppable then. <laughs> Stormtroopers are famously the worst shots <laughs> in, in all of fiction. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. We hit nobody. <laughs> they they got to get like yelled at every time they come back to their headquarters. <laughs> like, how do you not fucking hit anything every time? <laughs> Actually, you know, maybe they are like... Um, Nazis, but maybe they are just like we don't really want to be doing this. So we're just gonna, we're gonna shoot, but we're gonna miss like all the time. <laughs> we're following orders, but we're just really poor shots. Actually, in World War Two, or maybe it was like a Korean War or something, like they figured they figured out that soldiers, the new ones, when you send them out to fight, they purposely fire above the enemy's head, like just a little bit above, so they don't actually hit anybody. It's just like a normal reaction. Like you, just, you actually don't want to kill anybody, so you just pull up a little bit. That is interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, how hard? Like, if if you're like drafted into war, like that's got to be in, insanely tough anyway. But just actually like get in the headspace where you're actually willing to kill somebody. For you and me, that's tough. For some people, that's like a dream come true. <laughs> it would maybe be a little easier if you were literally in the fight against the Nazis. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can recognize this as, like, a, a real evil that like needs to be stopped. Like black and white. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, something like Vietnam or, oh, yeah. you know, where you're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't even be here. Yeah. Then... I could definitely, you know, see stuff like that. Yeah, I'd just start a new life right there. <laughs> All right, so uh, I live here now, and uh, <laughs> this is my life. You know, you do wonder how many people in war just do go AWOL. Yeah. Go, I, w- I would have to think about it. Be yeah. like, I'm just going to go off in the other direction from where the fighting is. Hope I can land somewhere safe. Yeah. And, like, I'll just hide out, and hopefully things will eventually end. Yeah, for sure. If I got if I got drafted into a war that I thought was unjust, I would I would just try to make my way into my own little space somewhere. <laughs> I would totally uh find my way into Canada or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Some bordering country that's not involved at all. <laughs> a lot of people do did that and like I don't blame them at all. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know how we got to Ahsoka to draft dodging, but we managed somehow. Uh, but anyway, uh, guys, in conclusion, uh, if you will, please subscribe to us both on the YouTube channel uh, and um, in audio form on your podcast service of choice. Leave us thumbs up, positive reviews, and just for me, please go to Amazon and buy Becker, the complete series on DVD. <laughs> And uh, maybe start one of those change.org petitions. I don't think those actually do anything, but why not? We, w- we want to get Becker uh, on streaming. And uh, also, let's get that, that f- either Blu-ray or 4K you yeah, know, conversion. Sure. sure. Yeah. And uh, also, if there's like some insanely like rich billionaire out there that just wants to hire all of the actors, including Ted Danson, <laughs> to start up a reboot... 
Uh, I'm open for that as well. <laughs> Isn't he doing a show right now, Ted Danson? I mean, he works a lot. It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Um, did you ever watch The Good Place? Yeah. That's a great show. Yeah. Um, a really good show, yeah. He, yeah, um, he did a couple guest spots on the Orville as well as like one of okay. the upper, like, uh, uh, like I don't know. Federation people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I like Ted Danson. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a likable person. I wonder how old he is, though. He's got to be up there. He's got to be 70s. Yeah, he's got to be at least in his 70s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, I, I think <laughs> after that, we'll wrap things up. Um, AJ, have you signed up back up for Twitter yet? Uh, I don't know if I can. Don't you need like your social security oh. and everything to sign up? <laughs> By now you might. They haven't asked me for it yet. Um, um, man, I don't even know if I want to plug it. Yeah, I guess you can find me on Twitter at Zach Jones Live, Z A C H J O N E S L I V. Uh, but that's going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care. <laughs>